Hey, everyone. It's your favorite finance freak, Syrah. This week, we're talking all things stocks. I sent Megan out to find three different stocks that she loves, and we're going to break them down. However, I'm going to pivot around the traditional finance breakdown and focus more on what I think she should look for in each investment, rather than just looking at the boring fundamentals. Just remember, everything I'm saying is mostly advice for her, and it might not fit into your own personal investing style. Anyways, I'm ready to jump into this topic. So let's go. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stockwitz. Girls Just Want to Have Fun will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no-shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. Hey, Nina. Hi, Sai Sai. How are you? Good, girl. What's going on? How was your week? My week was good. <laughs> You're making a face. Are you drinking something or no? I had some water. I Don't hate me. I'm trying to hydrate. Should I go get some wine in a little when we take a break? Yeah, you should probably, I mean, you should get something. If I'm drinking, I don't want to drink alone. I'm a social drinker. At least that's what I tell people. <laughs> that's what you tell yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically we're drinking together, even if it's through a screen, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we dress up for each other. So there's yeah. that. It's date night. <sighs> it is date night for us. How sweet. Okay. So I kind of have some financial, personal finance updates for you for okay. this week. For okay. Me. Are we doing like a hurdles and, and accomplishments thing again? Yeah, let's just uh I didn't have any hurdles. Let's you stick with any hurdles. No. No. Really? Okay. <gasps> okay. Oh my You're growing. Lord. You're growing, girl. I am. No hurdles. Okay. Accomplishments as far as finance this week. Found Chad's app. Yay. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because now you can cover overdrafts if it happens. Found Chad's app. Set up. I think I talked about this last week. Set everybody up on like set Chad up on Uber Eats and Amazon and the things that I pay for and fund money, which is great. I then started to take another look at my bills that were going into Frank. And I started to realize the direct deposit that was going in there might be a little too big. And so I'm saving just a little bit more money a month. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. So it's because it's been it's been a long enough period of time and you're focusing. That's so exciting. You know, I was thinking that might happen a little bit further down the road, but I'm glad that you're doing it now. You're definitely bootstrapping, it sounds like then in terms of taking a look at your bills, slowing down what you're spending on. How is the fun money going? Like, how is Chad? Have we spent all of Chad already? Or are you approaching it? Or what's that situation since last month? That was stressful. I know. I went over by like, what, $300. So this month, I'm about, I spent probably $300. So I have $100 left. Okay. And I have one more week of this month. Yeah. So you're right on track. You're killing it. I feel good. I'm going to go to brunch tomorrow and spend a little bit of that 100 that's you know what you deserve it especially if you're doing it right and i'll be sitting outside i'll be cold i deserve a little bit of food some nourishment (laughs) 
And so from last week, did you also take a look at your savings and your buckets and how you're going to organize those? And have you figured out exactly what that horizon looks like and whether or not you're prepared to start investing or if you want to stick to your savings? I think really right now, I really want to make sure that nest egg is full. I think that's super, super vital and important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but I did poke around a little bit like you told me to do. Yes. I didn't put money on any stocks, but... What you thinking about it? Okay. Okay. Well, I am so excited to dig into the stuff that you're looking at and we can start examining them together. Should we take a quick break before we jump in? Yeah, I'll go get some wine. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So we're back from our break and Megan is holding a beautiful glass of wine now. What are you drinking, Meganina? It's a Pinot Noir. Oh, you avoided the Mayomi this week? No, it's still Mayomi. <laughs> you said the Pinot instead of the cab. That's awesome. I did. What are you drinking? This was a gift from one of Nick's friends. It is a red bottle? blend. It's a red blend from Spain. <laughs> I honestly didn't even look at it. I was just like, give it to me. You know what? I I feel like it'd be a better gift if they were like, I went to Spain and got you this bottle of red wine. (laughs) You know, not like I was at the corner store and it happens to be from Spain, I think. Well, and I feel like that's what usually ends up happening, right? Like I'm one of those people where I like to gift people fancy wine if it's a special occasion. But otherwise, I do the same thing. I just go to the store and like pick up one of my three go-to bottles. But (sighs) yeah wine. Well, do you remember those days? Do you remember when you used to take your friend's drink and sip it and then determine who had the better drink? At the oh, bar? yeah. The, the wine parties. <sighs> no, but even I when you're that. at a bar, like sipping oh. somebody else's cocktail and being like, oh, yours mm-hmm. is better. I want one of those. And then I'll just, I'll just take one of those and then getting one. I miss those. I know. Speaking of sipping multiple things. I sipped a little on uh, stock education this week. That makes sense. You told me to look into stocks. Not to put money down because we're not ready because I'm still filling that nest egg. And I picked three. So aside from that, the other thing that I don't want you to do just yet is just start throwing money at stuff without first like being able to discuss it. So Mm -hmm. even if you were ready for your nest egg, by the way, I would still be telling you, Let's have a conversation and let's figure out if what you're doing is the correct move. So based on that, I am so excited to hear what these stocks are. (laughs) I feel like there should be a drum roll. Like, I mean, I think other people that know me in the finance world understand how much it excites me to talk about investing and trading and all of the stuff that I love doing. But you finally get to see this side of me, Megan. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. Okay. So this is what I was thinking in terms of format. You can tell me if it doesn't work. But what I would like to do is talk to you about things that I think are important. And then once we start chatting a little bit on those and you can kind of pull the questions out for me, then maybe we chat about the stocks that you chose and we can talk about how they fit into what I would consider a good starter analysis for each of those stocks. Does that work? Yeah. For sure. Cool. Take the reins. Cool. So there are so many different ways that you can get super technical. And I frankly think a lot of it is 
A, not fun and B, not necessarily relevant to what you're probably going to want to do. So I selected aspects of it that I think are easy to incorporate based on what I know about you and and kind of what I what I think I would be looking for if I wasn't sitting down and trying to break down each and every stock in a very detailed way. So the key things are A, being able to look at the industry, which I know you can relate to because you're a marketer. B, looking at management. So understanding who those executives are. C, taking a look at the competitors. So who are the competitors in the space, which I also know is a marketing thing, right? And then other smaller nuances that are financially related, but are also super important. So growth rate, potential for income, revenue streams. Those are all things that I think about when I'm contemplating a stock that you don't have to focus on and do actual technical analysis on, but you should be considering in terms of the total addressable market or the TAM, which is like the hot word right now. So I know me some TAM. Yeah. So let's dig into each of your stocks based on everything I just said, and we can go step by step on each one. Wait, wait, wait. But first... The way you just explained it Mm. is essentially like what marketers do. It's the same thing. Oh, my God, dude. I never realized that. Okay. This is making a lot more sense. Okay. Because essentially what we do is we look at a consumer and what they like and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And why? here's the thing. Why wouldn't you consider the same thing in terms of whether or not you'd buy the stock? Because if you can understand the market and whether it's going to work in the market, why wouldn't you invest in that stock, right? It's the same thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about my stocks. Brad. Etsy is the first one. Ah, Etsy. So this mm-hmm. is a super popular stock right now. Okay. Let's go step by step. Let's start with the industry itself. So as a product, Etsy is really just a marketplace for, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a marketplace for a ton of people to sell their individualized products and then my understanding is that they Etsy itself takes a percentage of each sale, which is how they make money. But you can basically link up your storefront to Etsy and then sell whatever you'd like to sell. Is that yeah? That's yeah. a good overall. Okay, Etsy was like one of the first platforms for e-commerce. Cool. So, like so strictly e-commerce. Yeah. So help me understand who else does what? Who else does what Etsy does? Are there competitors to Etsy that you know of? Well, Amazon has started to tap into this market space because oh. they see, but that also makes Etsy so, I don't know, like interesting to me from a stock perspective. I'm like, if Amazon sees the value and is trying to tap into kind of this local marketplace sort of shtick, yeah. you know, they put their money where their mouth is. So maybe that makes sense. That's a tough competitor though, right? Because of they course. have- infinitely more marketing money. They have infinitely more capacity than I'm guessing Etsy does. Right. To be frank, I haven't looked at Etsy's financials, so I'm super curious to hear a little bit more about this. So Amazon's entering into the same space. Yep. In terms of other competitors, are there other small competitors too, or is Etsy considered to be the smaller competitor? I consider them the smaller competitor. I'm sure there's other people that do the similar things, but no one really comes to mind for me. Okay. So in terms of industry position, then they're actually not as big. So let's talk about that, Tam, right? So in terms of total addressable market, they have a huge addressable market in terms of who they can sell to. Amazon has slightly further reach than they do. 
So the question is, can Amazon sell it in the same way that Etsy sells it, which is part of their like potential future income, right? And part of their potential future growth. Sure. So would sellers on Etsy switch to Amazon is the big question in my mind when you when you tell me that. So a lot of my feelings about Etsy are more subjective than objective. And I know you're trying to be more objective, yes. but I have a feeling like there marketing is cyclical, for example. Sure. Just stick with me for a minute. Okay. When was the last time you got a handwritten note in the mail? We do that a lot to like be personal. I got a thank you note from one of the boards that I sit on saying thanks yeah. for your donation. And how did it make you feel when you got a personalized Oh, note? it's on my fridge still. I love that stuff. Okay. So our parents, for example, usually hate mail because direct mail is something that they used to get all the time. It's cyclical. It's coming back. We're like, oh my God, it's so personalized and amazing. And you put so much thought into this. You hand wrote it. A beautiful thing. Etsy is that way to me. I'm like, what a beautiful platform to lift up local vendors and give them the space they necessarily wouldn't have outside of their small communities and put it up, you know, for the whole world to select something that they've made. Okay. So, so I guess you're saying that their differentiation in terms of their model is the fact that they do support smaller vendors and it's not necessarily the same thing as Amazon that's Correct. doing much more of like a warehouse type of sale that's coming off of like an Alibaba or an AliExpress. Okay. So I'm with you there. I guess from my perspective, if I was sitting in your seat and I was contemplating purchasing the stock, I would think about what that future potential for their growth is relative to Amazon, what, whether or not, and part of what you're saying is emotional, but I actually think there's a very big differentiator here because me personally, I didn't even know that that was going on with Amazon. And frankly, I personally would rather support a small business on Etsy that's probably getting a lion's share of the payment versus if they're on Amazon, where Amazon's probably eating at, at a lot of their income in order to get their storefront seen. So, Got yeah. It. So, so I'm with you there. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's no, tough I know. One. But also, just one more thing, because I'm a little passionate about Etsy. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> this um, is awesome. But uh, the thing that Amazon is trying to do, I don't know if you saw this, but in Seattle, they just bought Key Arena and named it Climate Pledge Arena. Oh, I love that. Oh, you do? Okay. So they're trying to target a population of Gen Z right now with their marketing in order to look humane. Mm -hmm. Because the reputation that they have with Gen Z is that they're not humane. They're killing the world. They're doing all these things. So Amazon is essentially whitewashing a lot of these things that Gen Zs care about. Climate oh, change. So you're, so you're saying it's BS what they're doing. It's a marketing tactic. And yes, they're putting their money where their mouth is, which is a beautiful, amazing thing. They're yeah. you know, highly grossing. But the thing is about Gen Z, who I just fucking love, is that they can see right through the bullshit. And so that's why I think Etsy as a brand and the people that are coming into the job market that will have the money to pay for things could be a really strong brand. Okay, but can I ask you something? Yeah. Let's say you see the same product on Etsy as you see on Amazon. Okay, same storefront. But you get prime shipping on Amazon. You have to pay for shipping on Etsy. And I know I'm, you're a prime member, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I got to add that to my subscriptions. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know, for me, it, it, it's more of an emotional toss-up. But I'm different. I don't know 
if you are. That's why I'm asking you the question though, right? These are things that you need to consider when you're considering yeah. the stock because okay. I think you as a marketer, you should be approaching the stock from a different perspective than than your typical like stock investor that wants to like break down all of the financials. You know, I think you can find a summary of Etsy's financials online by doing a quick Google search. And what you're doing right now is determining like, is this stock worth my investment? And that is so much more important than the actual underlying analysis, which frankly could be completely off in the future. So so help me understand like how do you find the balance? Because to me, not knowing a lot about the stock market, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I have obviously some weird kind of passion about Etsy. Who knew? Because I believe in their values and them as a company and what they do and all this jazz. At what point, like how much is it that and how much is it like their financials in order to buy a stock? Is it 50-50? Is it like question? Yeah. What is it? It is it is you doing your own diligence and telling yourself these analysts said this stock is worth A, B, and C, or these analysts said this stock is not worth buying right now. But I'm passionate enough about their future because that's that's the part that nobody talks about, right? Like you have all these valuations and all this access to information in terms of other people analyzing the stock for you. Like the first thing that I would do, by the way, if you wanted to figure out how Etsy's been doing financially is look up Etsy in the news and then simultaneously look up news tied to the stock ticker. And that'll be the quickest mm-hmm. way for you to find financial information on it or really not even the financial information, just other people's opinions. And even after you hear all of that, like I have so many stocks in my portfolio that people are like, that company is dead, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, in my opinion, the company is not dead. And I still think that company is going to flourish. And it's still held in my portfolio because there's a lot of opinion-driven stock purchase here. So I think you take everything with a grain of salt. You take your own personal opinion with a grain of salt. You take the financial opinion with a grain of salt because every single equity analyst has been right at least once in their life so they can take claim to something. But a broken clock is correct two times a day. So, (laughs) Okay. I like that. But there is an amount of subjectivity here. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to, because you're investing in a company. You got to like somewhat believe in it. So here's what I'd do if I was in your shoes. I'd take whatever like my cash dollar amount is in terms of investing. And let's say like we're talking about three stocks today. Let's say that you want to potentially invest in all three stocks. Let's determine after our conversation if you want to invest in them and then break it into thirds. Say I'm going to put one third into this company, one third into this company, one third into this. And that's only if you decide to invest in all three. I just don't think... I don't think you can sit there and put all of your eggs in one basket. So if we determine that Etsy is the only stock that you want to invest in, I wouldn't say put all of your money into that one stock. Does that make sense? That way you're hedging your risk a little bit. That's what I would call that. You're betting that it's going to do well, but just in case it doesn't, you're not putting all of your money there. Might I say diversifying your portfolio? Oh my gosh. (gasps) Using the lingo. Are you okay? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it is, though. I, yeah, and that's precisely what I'm suggesting is is stay diversified. Don't just jump and load up on one stock. Let's okay. So now I'm excited because Etsy was a fun one. So what's the next stock that we're talking about? 
Oh, I I, I kind of thought this would be clickbait for you, but oh god, Bumble. Oh my gosh, because they just IPO'd a couple weeks ago. Yes, they did. Great stories. People have great stories. Okay. Can we first talk? I don't know if you want to talk about this, but like I was on Bumble for three months. How did it go? You know, I thought the interface was cool. I went on probably one of the worst dates I've ever been on in my life. Oh, but I got French fries and free martinis out of it. So I was happy. (laughs) I you know what? I will say on the flip side of the coin, I have met some of the kindest people that I went on dates with through Bumble. I also personally have anxiety and I think there is, it's a weird situation on Bumble because I'm extremely extroverted once you meet me, but I'm still a traditionalist when it comes to contact. So it would make me super uncomfortable to try to like be funny with a guy when I first met them. So swiping and then having to make the first move, I was like, "Mm, not for me, not for me. But okay, so I love this because we can incorporate something totally different, which I think you will actually love. Mm-hmm. So because Bumble recently IPO'd, they filed a document that's called an S1. So S is in Syro 1. And that document, and every single company that IPOs, they, they file an S1. That's just the document they have to put together in order to be able to have an IPO. In order but, to like ring the bell? Yes, exactly. So when they file the S1, it's basically a really beautiful marketing piece that usually has a letter from the CEO. It has all of their correlated companies inside of it. It has some financial information inside of it. It has tons and tons and tons and tons of detail about where they view this company going after the IPO. And it's obviously also a beautiful marketing piece. There's usually... um, there's usually like a video that investors who get in pre just before the IPO happens, they usually get to see a video that has all these glossy terms and beautiful, I don't know, like statistics. But it's they're like their dating profile. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so every single company has to go through and do this before mm-hmm. their IPO. And because I was really excited about Wit, who's the CEO? She's a female. She just had a baby. I mean, she yeah. has, yeah, she's done so many cool things as a woman. Yeah. And so I was really excited about the stock IPOing. So I did read this S1, and it's the most glorious marketing piece. So let's go back into all those things that I was talking to you about in terms of okay. breaking down the market. So, in terms of the industry, there's obviously more than one type of dating app. I think Bumble has done a really great job of differentiating in terms of making it more about the woman making the first move than the male. But there is definitely a lot of competition in terms of app. And I think that your personal preference, like you and I have both kind of disclosed, I didn't love Bumble. I probably only met like two people that I thought were like significant off of there. I met way more people on other apps that were easier for me to communicate on. Well, like, what's your thought on the industry side of it? I mean, there's tons, but uh, you know, I get so this is like I'm the best consumer. I think that's probably why I'm in in marketing. I'm just such low hanging fruit. Like any good story, I'm like, okay, here's my money. But her story in general, like leaving, did she leave Tinder? Yeah, she left Tinder. Okay, and this is you talking about the executives, by the way. This is the story behind the executives, oh. part of the management structure. This is exactly what we're talking about. Okay, got it. So I'm actually doing it. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're already doing it. 
Oh, but like her leaving it, it was like a male dominated industry. She wanted something for women like Tinder was slowly becoming like, you know, hook up on a Friday night sort of thing and never talk to you again sort of a thing. Not necessarily for everyone, but but she ventured out because she saw an opportunity in the marketplace as a woman, as a strong female, like, here's my money. Like, literally, I was like all over it. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I think that's a really strong that's a really strong argument in favor of the stock, right? And then and then we've just talked about the competitors in terms of its actual position within the industry. I always hear from my girlfriends that are like swiping quite a bit that like Bumble and Hinge are the two that they love the most, which is it's interesting to me. It makes me excited about the future of this app. And then in terms of like growth and revenue streams, I guess this is kind of where I get a little bit more into the weeds. What's interesting about their S1, by the way, so if if you had had the opportunity to read that document, Bumble has more than one app. What? Yeah. So they have a second dating app. And I don't know how exactly it's pronounced. I think it's pronounced Badoo. Oh, I was like, I hope it's called Fumble. (laughs) (laughs) No, but so they have a second dating app. So and this is what I'm saying in terms of revenue streams. They have more than one source, right? So they don't just have income coming in from what I'm guessing is ads on Bumble. They also have income coming from Badoo, which is their other dating app that you would only know about if you check their S1. But again, like some of the cool things that you can discover right before the IPO. Do you know this? How far in advance of the IPO did they put that out? Like a day? No, it comes out. It comes out quite a bit before. And I know that there's a minimum, but I can't recall what that is exactly. I'll find that out for you. But once they file that, that's kind of the public notice that they're going to IPO. Got it. That's the government filing. Is it probably good hygiene? Like if you are thinking about investing in a new company that's going to IPO or a company that's going from private to public Mm -hmm. to read the S1 to go through it. Yes. That is the like the number one thing I tell you. And frankly, it's still super relevant because Bumble just IPO'd. So if you're looking for more information about Bumble and kind of what they're thinking and how they are viewing the future, I Mm. definitely think it's worth a read. Um, Older companies, it's interesting to see the S1 because you can kind of see what what they were thinking when they first IPO'd. But if they've been around for a while, I don't know how much more relevant it is (sighs) than reading something that they've put out recently. I feel like that might be sad for some executives. Like they put in all this work, you know, as a private company, it's different. And then you have to face a board of directors, right? Like (laughs) after you IPO. And they were like, remember when we had Badoo and that idea of fumble? And now we're here. (laughs) <laughs> like it's gotta be <laughs> well like, so when you're a back. private company you still have a board right like you know the fintech company that i work for it, it's sure. interesting that you say that because i'm presenting to the board next week well so you still have a board you still have advisors you still have people that are are coaching you and that are hoping for your success it's just it's just a different it's different when it's pre-ipo but i think it's compounded now with the general public having stake oh, yeah. in your company. Oh yeah. And now and now you report to whomever <laughs> yes. your stakeholders are. Absolutely. Joe yeah. Schmo down the street that failed at Bumble has stock in your company. Okay. So that leads me I mean this has been so great because I feel like it's been such an excellent opportunity to discuss with you all the different nuances that I think are important. So let's jump into the third stock. What was the final stock that you have been thinking about? Tesla, because I feel, well, one, I love the work that Elon Musk is doing. I don't know him personally, but you know, Uh 
I like Tesla. I like the idea behind it. I like that kids that are younger think Tesla, like he invented the name Tesla. I think that's hilarious. But, you know, you look at the stock and I'm like, that's um, unobtainable. I can't just buy a stock that I think today it was at like over almost at $800. How am I supposed to look at stocks like this? Dare I say margin? Okay, she's taking a long sip. I feel like I feel like we should take the break early. So how do you look at stocks like that that are so expensive? I mean, is it even obtainable for someone like me? Okay, so Tesla's a really cool stock because it's very popular. People think it is going quote unquote to the moon. And ironically. Uh, yes. SpaceX. And you know, I don't disagree with you. I think Elon Musk is a really interesting person. <laughs> And I think people know this about me already. Like, I own a Tesla. I'm not anti-Tesla for what it's worth. I think it's an incredible, it's an incredibly cool car. Let's go through what I was talking about from the list, and then and then maybe I'll give you a little bit more color in terms of how I feel about Tesla beyond that. But let's let's start with the same list that we did with all of the other, the two other stocks that we chatted about. So starting with the industry. So electric vehicles, particularly high-end electric vehicles, Porsche is coming out with their own version. I know BMW has one, Lexus has one, like all of the major car companies are now coming out with their own version of a high-end electric car. So in terms of the overall car industry, their competition is probably going to be increasing in the near future. I don't know how you feel about the overall industry. I personally think that the car industry in general is is in a state of relative decline. Yes, but I also think, I think the highest form of flattery is imitation. Yeah. So to me, Tesla set out on this journey by themselves with, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? And it clearly has. So other people are doing it. So I don't know if the competition matters. I agree with you to an extent. Like I know me personally as a Tesla owner, I don't know that I'm ever going to shift away from Tesla because mm-hmm. I have joined the cult. Yeah. Simultaneously, I think there are lots of people that are like BMW lovers and like Lexus lovers and you know, th- they belong to their own cult in terms of brand and I think they will turn to their version of the Tesla. I think that's a little bit more nuanced. We probably could dig into that a little bit deeper in terms of the industry and competition. Management, we have already touched on. We both think that Elon is an interesting human. I think SpaceX is a really rad company. So I think that like almost rubs off onto Tesla because of how cool I think SpaceX is. And that's just part of my own internal bias there. But I do... Wait, but just for a second, because you do own a Tesla. Yeah. I think we have to acknowledge that for a second. Sure. They created, whether it be through marketing or what have you, people were like, ooh, it's desirable to own a Tesla. And it's in limited supply, perhaps, because you can customize it and you have to wait. I don't know. There's something to be said about that. No? It's in malls. You know, the only reason I'm going to disagree with you on that is because I didn't feel that way when I was purchasing it. I didn't feel like there was limited anything. I don't know. And that's completely just my own personal opinion. I think the worst part, the worst experience for me thus far actually is the weight if you damage your car. 
There's a very oh, long wait. Yeah, yeah I waited almost that. six months to get my car fixed after I bought it. And then within a month, somebody crashed into me. So neither here nor there. No, right. Let me just finish this thought. Yeah. He created something in the marketplace that was a foreign car in a U.S. country, like in the U.S. That's every car. No, no, no. It's Toyota. But think about, no, I know. But to get a Toyota fixed doesn't cost you an arm and a leg or doesn't take forever to get replaced. But Tesla's not foreign. It's just that he never planned out how to get repair shops put up for Tesla. So I had to go to an exotics place to get my car fixed and they'll only take so many Teslas at a time. It, it was not because it's a foreign vehicle. No, I know it's not a foreign vehicle, oh, okay. but he made it feel like a foreign vehicle is my point. He made you feel like you were buying something from another country, let's say Germany, but it's I, technically here in the US. I disagree with you on that. I All really? I felt like I bought was a hunk of junk. No, uh, just <laughs> kidding, because I do love my car. I do love my I know. car. But he instills that feeling in other people. Maybe, I, and, but that's what I'm saying. I think I bought that car more on a whim than anything else because sure. if you talk to like my dad or Nick, they were like, go buy something practical. And I was like, what's the difference between plugging it in right. and not plugging it in? Tesla did a really good job of combining a bunch of technological details that I really liked. So I actually think that that's where I like Tesla over other vehicles. He was very wise in combining aspects of other cars that were extremely popular and turning it into a vehicle. So that's what I like about Tesla in terms of a car. But if you were to dig into the financial fundamentals, Meg, and this mm -hmm. is why I know that GameStop has been taking all the attention in terms of the short squeeze. Sure. But the original short squeeze for the last, I don't even know how long, has actually been Tesla. What? Yeah. So Tesla... People have been shorting Tesla, like taking extreme short positions on Tesla for several years because the fundamentals, the underlying mathematics, and this is why I'm pulling you away from, from the fundamentals because I don't know that it always applies anymore with the dissemination of information and as widespread as you can find information now. People have been gathering together to do whatever they feel like. And Tesla's stock is considered to be overvalued if you take a look at the, the fundamental information there. So much so that Elon Musk has tweeted it previously and gotten a slap on the wrist from the SEC, by the way. Ooh. However, however, every single time there's a large short position against Tesla, it's been eaten alive mm -hmm. because Tesla has a cult following of stock purchasers and they race to purchase the stock every time it comes down a little bit. So... And I think it's one of the most interesting things about Tesla. So in terms of GameStop compared to Tesla, so that's what I'm talking about. Tesla was the original short squeeze. People have been squeezing short sellers on Tesla for a very long time. And I find mm -hmm. it so fascinating because they just keep coming back for more. So there's your fundamental analysis. There's one time that it's very broken. Okay. I still don't know how to buy it if I wanted to. Well, so that's the thing. You can't, you don't, this is something that I don't think people know, and it's that you don't have to buy an entire share hmm. of stock. You can buy a slice of a stock. Was that margin? No. Margin is oh. something totally different that we can talk about. But yeah. if you want to buy a piece of one share, there are tons of platforms that will let you buy a segment of a stock. So whatever amount you want to put towards it, they'll give you okay. that amount. Yeah, I'm almost thinking next week we should break down I mean, we could talk about it. Break down the terms. 
yeah that you of just how to, talked of about how to buy stocks and stuff should we take a quick break so that we can add it up yeah let's take a quick break so nina i have refilled my wine glass since you made me chug pre-tesla <laughs> Ooh, I love making you a little nervous. That's you know, kind of my favorite thing. Tesla doesn't make me nervous. I I think a lot of people would tell you to stay away from that stock, but like I said, fundamentals are broken, man, and that is that yeah. stock is living proof. So if you want to buy some Tesla, you buy some Tesla. Should we should we add it up? Let's add it up. Do it. Well, I, I I don't know. I think it's super cool for us to just in general talk about stocks from the lens that you were talking about them through because I never thought about that. Like, what are the fundamentals when we think about stocks? Who are the executives? What's the story? How do you feel about it? You know, I like that. I like feelings. What are the financials? Stuff I need to learn. And then who are the competitors in that space? So for me, it's almost doing like a market analysis of this company and almost treating them like a person and saying, you know, would I sleep with them? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's 100% that you just nailed it on the head. I mean, if you can break down like an overall economic analysis based on the industry, competitors, all of the things that you said, if you can look at it from a point of view where you can say, this is what I know about each of these pockets. I like the executives. I don't like the executives. The industry is mm. growing. The industry is shrinking. The potential for competitors is it's very easy for other competitors to come in. It's difficult for them to take away their market share. I mean, all of those things are so important. And I guess the only question that I have left for you is, can we go down this list and see if you're going to actually buy some stock in each of these? Because that I'm so curious to hear after we had these conversations, if you want to buy stock in each one. So can we go down the list? Sure. Okay. So let's start with Etsy. Are you going to buy, sell, or hold? So those are all analyst terms. So you're either going to purchase some you're going to get rid of it or you're you're just going to hold it forever. Bye. Bye. So you're going to buy some up. Okay. All right. Moving on. Bumble. Bye. Okay. We're going to buy some some Bumble too. And then last but not least, the more controversial one, sell. Sell. So you're not going to buy stock in Tesla. Remember how I said I wanted my nest egg to be full? <laughs> Like you, I, like I said, you could buy you could buy a portion of Tesla. You don't have to buy a full share, but I, I hear you. I just don't know. Okay, so so maybe that's a hold. Maybe you're not buying yet. Maybe you're not selling yet. Maybe you're just waiting. I'm a hold on the fence of selling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds good, Boo. So for next week, let's plan on why don't you pick some a few more stocks, maybe, and then we can discuss exactly how to purchase stocks. And if you want to purchase different things, we can talk about that. We can talk about different platforms where you can find stocks as well. Beautiful. Let's do it. Awesome. Love you, Bunny. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Want to Have Funds. Bye.